you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. Meet your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and our man, Graham Barfield. We've done a show since New Year's, right? I, all these days have kind of run together yeah. for me. All right. Yeah, yeah, we did. Well, because we were watching the car chase. That's right. We were watching the car chase. I actually had somebody on Twitter ask me what the, uh, the final. Was. Yeah, I have no idea. Don't, I don't know. The dude ended up running out of gas in San Diego, and oh. the uh, police sent in the dog, and the dog kind of grabbed him by the chest and dragged his uh, dragged his butt out of the car. That, that seems sort of anticlimactic. Well, I guess not. The, the, the That part seems interesting, but the... Uh the whole him driving until he runs out of gas seems sort of dull. Then there was another one, like a couple of days later, that went right by where I live in Playa Vista. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm watching it on the screen, and I called my girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, look out the window right now, because we live right on Lincoln. Right. And I'm like, there's a car chase going to go right by you. And she's like, oh, my gosh, there's the car, <laughs> and there's a police helicopter going right by. That's uh, life in L.A. for you, friends. That's funny. Uh, got plenty to talk about today. We got some coaching hires. That'll be probably the bulk of what we do. Want to talk about some sophomores that maybe didn't make a splash as rookies that could potentially be big things next year. We'll talk some playoff challenge. We'll talk some daily fantasy, all that and stuff. But uh, first, before we do any of that, go back on the other side of the glass. Talk to our man, our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's up? Yeah, I know it's supposed to be the off season, but there seems to be a lot. Obviously, we have the divisional round games coming up. The wild games are a lot of fun, but with the coaching carousel, then you have some guys declaring for the NFL draft. It's never really the off season, so we're still nope. in like you know 100 uh, percent full speed ahead. Especially for me, my friend, I know, I'm sure. as my Dallas Cowboys, my beloved Dallas Cowboys, go into Los Angeles and uh, try to try to pull one more miracle out of the hat. We'll see. I don't know. You know me. All season long, I've been like, You're very we're gonna lose. But it's worked. That's the good mindset. Like, ever since we got beat by Tennessee, I'm like, we're done. It's went, over. And I then every week, I'm like, we're going to lose. I went three in one of my picks, and the one game I was wrong, I picked against your Cowboys. <laughs> now I know. Oh, I'm now not I've surprised. Well, I've I mean, learned. like, the biggest shock was the game that everyone got wrong, right? I mean, no, who picked the Eagles outside of Eagles fans? Well, you I mean, did? Not to brag, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're a smart guy, I, try, I think Maurice Jones-Drew said it best uh, the other day when I was talking to him that they must have just sacrificed a goat or something. Because it makes no sense as to why. The I know. Well, doing. I mean, like, they made the late <laughs> season run to get in. The Vikings got beat. And um, then they go in Chicago. And I thought that was the toughest road matchup of any of them. Sure. Yeah. Power, and, of, uh, power of falls, man. I know, dude. It's 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 crazy. Actually, I, I would love to see an Eagles-Cowboys NFC championship game. Oh, my God. I would not. I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> I would not. I don't know if it's going to happen. I wonder why. I'm, I'm, fo- I'm just focused on Dwayne. Well, you're a Giants I'm just focused fan. on Dwayne Haskins tweeting out pictures of himself photoshopped in a Giants jersey. That's what I'm focused on. Is that on. who that was? I saw that. that was Dwayne Haskins. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like, is it, I was like, that didn't look like Teddy Bridgewater. No. I was trying to figure out who ha- that was. Haskins is a Jersey guy, so he tweeted that. And then like a half hour uh, later, people were like, you should probably get rid of that. And he deleted it. But <laughs> it screenshot it. I had that safe forever. Oh, well, because nothing, nothing goes away on 
Yeah, here. that's what yeah, I get. Exactly. Like, it's, dude, you, you you should know. Like, the minute you tweet that out, it's it's there forever. Well, why even delete it? Everyone uh, knows what you did. It's so. there. It's yeah. fine. Whatever. Oh man. All right. So plenty to talk about. So uh, hey, let's get to it and let's do some news. The news. Actually, before we start the news, I should actually inform all of you. We are down to once a week now that the uh, the season is done. So in case you were wondering where we were on Monday, uh, just know that, yeah, we're uh, we're once a week. We'll be on Wednesdays from here until we'll probably till you know, late summer, early fall till we get back to, uh, you know, close to the start of the season again. So uh, just know that that, uh, you that know, would be news. That is news. That is yeah. news. Yeah. There we go. So there we go. There's some news. Right and once there. we get into free agency <laughs> and draft, I mean, if we have to maybe jump in, if do we have to do a, special a second edition, one for you during the week of course we'll do if that. we need special editions we'll do that but generally speaking we will be just once a week on wednesdays going forward until probably i would guess august or september something like that all right the coaching carousel has been spinning frantically over the last couple of days so let's get to it right now bruce arians is back as a head coach again he took the job with the tampa bay buccaneers spent a year out of the coaching game was doing some television uh now he's back on the sidelines and well, guys, we saw what he did with Arizona. I mean, he was a big part of making David Johnson the star that he became uh, a couple of seasons ago. Now he goes down to Tampa. And there are some pieces there, I would guess. It depends how much you believe in Jameis Winston. We know there's Mike Evans. We're not sure what's happening with the running game. But at least this seems a little more intriguing than what we saw with Dirk Cutter over the last uh, dude, few years. Everyone's going to be targeting Jameis late. Everyone. Jameis wasn't bad this past season. It was like from a fantasy perspective, he still turns the ball over too much. But Arians in his resume, when it comes to quarterbacks, I mean, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, he's got some pretty solid uh, quarterbacks on his resume there. Carson Palmer. So suddenly Jameis, and I believe this is the last year of his rookie deal coming up. I mean, this is a put up or shut up year for Jameis. And he just got he just got handed uh, one of the great offensive minds and one of the great sort of quarterback gurus uh, in the NFL. So Winston's value is certainly on the rise. And you talk about the running game. I don't know if their running back is on the roster right now. We'll see. I don't yeah, I know gonna if they're going like, to go you know, with Ronald I mean, Jones. Or Ronald not. Jones does like he he was a complete flop in year one. Yeah. Um. He could barely get on the field. I mean, Peyton Barber had some moments, but yep. nobody believes in Peyton Barber long term. You know, I, Deshaun Jackson's not going to be back next year. So I mean, there's what, was up Chris Godwin potentially there. Yeah, that's a. He's a nice breakout guy for Def, sure. Definitely going to be a lot of turnover with this roster. I mean, the Bucks exercised Winston's fifth-year option, so they're going to have to pay him just over $20 million this upcoming season. Yeah, DJX probably won't be back. We, we won't see DJX in a Bucks uniform again. Um, there's no way you can go in the season trusting Ronald Jones, but I, I personally loved this hire. Uh, Bruce Arians in Arizona like ran basically like the NFL's version of... I, I kind of want to say the Chiefs kind of air raid new attack that they've kind of instituted here. I mean, the Cardinals in Bruce Aaron's four years as head coach were top seven in, in air yards per attempt every year. Jameis Winston was second in the league in air yards per attempt this past season. So from like just a scheme perspective, it makes a lot of sense for them to bring in Arians who has had plenty of success, even with bad quarterbacks, mm -hmm. Drew Stanton, uh, <laughs> first and foremost. He's had plenty of success with good and bad quarterbacks. And I mean, the biggest thing, obviously, with Winston is just he's got to kill the backbreaking turnovers. Yeah, right, right. Where, right. I mean, we all remember the Bengals game where he basically just kind of 
didn't show up and through two turnovers, the linebacker, you know, Cincinnati linebackers for the game even started. Yeah, I just, you know, and, and you're right with with Jameis. That's the thing we've all been waiting for the last couple of years is him to be better at protecting the football. That was a big storyline on Hard Knocks. Uh, was you know we need you to be better about taking care of the football. That may always be who. That may always. I think that's just who he is now. That's who he was at Florida State. I think that's just gonna be who he is. And I think if you're Bruce Arians, you got to figure out a way to I guess work around that as much as possible. Um, but you know the, the passing game elements are certainly there with the quarterback. You've got a couple of good young wide receivers. You know you've got two good tight ends uh, between Cameron Brayton, OJ Howard. If you have them, you know it, maybe you can find a running back in the draft that can help you out and, and kind of boost that part of it. But the pieces are there for Bruce Arians to be successful. Well, speaking of Arians, his former team, the Arizona Cardinals, they hire a new coach, Cliff Kingsbury. And, you know, I got a lot of texts because Kingsbury was at USC and I got a lot of texts asking me, what was my favorite moment of the uh, Kingsbury era <laughs> at, uh, at USC? He was, he was there longer, though, than, you know, Belichick was with the Jets, right? So right. That. He right. was there longer than Manny Diaz was with Temple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if for, for us USC uh, nerds, he was there longer than Rick Majerus was our basketball coach. Rick Majerus. So, oh, that's a pull right there, so, man. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, no longer at USC. He's now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And... Obviously, it's about offense, right? This is all about what he did at Texas Tech, the, the things that he did with Patrick Mahomes and the way he was able to, to move the ball up and down the field. Defense be damned when he was in Lubbock because they didn't play any defense whatsoever, but they scored a lot of points. Mm-hmm. You've got a young quarterback in Josh Rosen. Um, you know, you got a young wide receiver in Christian Kirk. Now, I don't believe Larry Fitzgerald has made a decision on what he's doing next year. So maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. We know David Johnson is there and certainly is still as talented as he ever was. So... There are certainly some pieces in place for Cliff Kingsbury. They need an offensive line, though, Graham. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Regardless of who's back there, if they don't have an O-line, if they can't solve that problem, um, then this this may kind of be a failure to launch in the first year for them. The Cardinals have tried um, but failed repeatedly to to revamp their offensive line either through free agency, and it just, it just hasn't worked over the last couple of years. Their offensive line has been a major problem basically since Arians left. That probably won't change um, cataclysmically in 2019, but I'm really excited to see Cliff Kingsbury, right? Like, it's been kind of crazy to, to, to watch some of the reaction on Twitter and to, to listen to some of the reaction on TV and, and, and podcasts and stuff early on. It's We've all been kind of clamoring for to get some new blood, new minds right. in the NFL, and I've seen a lot of negative reactions to hiring Cliff Kingsbury. I think, yeah, I think it's, I, I under, it's understood, though, mm-hmm. because obviously he was fired at Texas Tech. Right. Had to take a demotion. Yep. Essentially, <laughs> right. what amounts to right. a demotion as an offensive coordinator at USC, and then he gets a job um, as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you, one would assume he would have no say on the defense. It'd kind of be like a Sean McVay situation mm-hmm. in L.A. where, he, right. I mean, Kingsbury, right? Like, that has to be their idea is mm-hmm. just going there with. Kingsbury yeah. has no no sense. No, right. Yeah, it's all offense. Are same, same kind of thing. But everyone's looking for the next McVay, and that's what we're seeing here with so many offensive uh, coaches being hired uh, as head coaches. Just a few stats there from Kingsbury's tenure at Texas Tech. You know, of the 64 schools in the Power 5 conferences, Texas Tech ranked 59th in rushing attempts, although they attempted <laughs> 557 screen passes uh, during his tenure, which is the second most among the Power 5 conferences. That's good news for David Johnson, but this is a guy who just threw it and threw it by, by, and threw it some more. 
that's the air raid offense. You go right. the, you go to the line right. with a pass play. You don't go to the line with a run play called. You audible into runs. And obviously, I don't. I have no idea what type of offense Kingsbury is going to install. He'll assume. I'm assuming he'll probably install a souped up version of uh, the offense he ran at Texas Tech. But I'm I'm actually really excited. I'm curious. I'm really to see. excited to see Dude, what I, Kingsbury does. We, we're fantasy dudes, man. I, we love offense. I'm curious to see how this works. And and I, you know, for all these all these coaching hires, I really have reserved judgment. It it certainly helps that I have not been on Twitter quite as heavy the last couple of days while this <laughs> is going on. So I've missed a lot of this conversation. But you know, I, I'm just very curious to see how this works. I'm also curious to see how this works in light of the fact that I won't say people figured out the Rams offense down the stretch because I don't think that's the case, but I think people figured out a different way to sort of defend them. You know, one of the things that that you heard uh, announcers talk about is that, you know, because Sean McVay would take that time, you know, get get everyone up to the line quickly. You have until 15 seconds left on the play clock to talk to your quarterback before, you know, before the mic shuts off. And this is the thing actually you hearing Willie McGinnis uh, talk about in the green room one day that. Now teams have started to figure out, well, what's the skies, what we're going to do? And then when the mic shuts off at 15 seconds, then maybe we'll line up and we're going to force Jared Goff to read what we're doing defensively without having his coach kind of talk to him, talk him through it in his ear. And so, you you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious whether or not this will be the thing to do to sort of defend them, these offenses. But I'm I'm absolutely interested to see this, what it is Cliff Kingsbury does. This is a desperation attempt to save Josh Rosen. I think so. It has to be because Steve Wilkes, um, I mean, obviously was, I want to say ill qualified to (laughs) take the job in the first place and it didn't go well. Um, They spent a top, a top pick on Josh Rosen. And I mean, they, they had to do something out of desperation to try to save his career early on a la Jared Goff. I mean, it's the same thing that we right. just talked about a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. years ago with Goff. Yeah. I mean, Goff was considered a bust after the first year. Josh Rosen oh, yeah. right now, and Josh Rosen per, is... per Twitter is a bust. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's, so. that's quick to judgment on social media. Right. Exactly. You know, if you don't, if you don't produce for me in week one, then, then obviously you're just no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see over to the green Bay Packers. They have agreed to a four year deal with Matt LaFleur. I think the most interesting part of this is that it makes the NFC North a three Matt division with Matt, <laughs> Matt Nagy in Chicago, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, and Matt Patricia in Detroit. Get on the ball, Minnesota. What are you doing? Mm. You're Mike Zimmer. What's wrong with you? You got to get like a Matt somebody or other. Um, Obviously, the biggest knock on the Packers offense this past year was the play calling that that Mike McCarthy had gotten stale that they were asking Aaron Rodgers maybe to do too much, that they weren't getting, they weren't scheming guys open, that it just had kind of become boring and predictable. Uh, You know, Matt LaFleur, yeah, look, I I think there's some, I I look at this and I say, okay, I know that Matt LaFleur probably did some, some decent things there with Tennessee, but at the same time, the Titans offense just kind of left you wanting. And, and so I come into this, Fabs, wondering how much of this was Matt LaFleur last year? How much of it was, say, Marcus Mariota and the pieces around them? I mean, remember, this offense took basically 12, 13 weeks to figure out that they should maybe just turn them around and run the ball to Derrick Henry. <laughs> and, that, and that's all they did it. And, you know, LaFleur has had some success there. Uh, he was the he was the coach there in Atlanta when Matt Ryan had his MVP season. And uh, he was also in Washington with Robert Griffin III when he was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, now he gets arguably the best quarterback in the entire league. And 
one would think one would think now Green Bay's got to improve their offensive line one thing but one would think that Aaron Rodgers in what was a down year for him and he finished I believe fourth in fantasy points among quarterbacks based on that monster performance he had at the end of the season where he had over 40 but um I don't think anyone ever doubted Aaron Rodgers would, would rebound and have a bigger season in 2019 than he did in 2018, and and hopefully LaFleur is going to be part of that. I don't think – the one thing that I'm interested to see is how many times is Rodgers going to audible off of a LaFleur play call? <laughs> because, you know, Rodgers – I mean, that guy is like a coach on the football field, so – uh, but there were, of course, reports that he and McCarthy had a, a relationship that had gone sour. So LaFleur, again, I mean, 39 years old, uh, two seasons as an NFL offensive coordinator. Uh, he's got 10 years of NFL coaching experience. He, he's another another sort of in the mold of we want to find the next McVay. And, uh, you know, that's that that's sort of where the Packers went here. And uh, I'm not surprised that they won that offensive mind either because, again, they have arguably the greatest quarterback greatest quarterback in the league right now under center and uh you know father time he comes for everybody well, except for frank gore so and that's the, the clock is taken with rogers yeah i mean that's the thing graham i mean like they i think they've got to do something quick just because there are only how many more years can you expect to get aaron Rodgers at a peak level um and i feel like they they they're at a point the packers are where they just can't waste time now yeah. Look, LaFleur has definitely spent time with some of the sharpest and brightest minds um, in football since 2012. He started, um, I believe he started with the Redskins organization in 2012, where he was working with the Shanahan's. They have Sean McVay as the tight ends coach. Yep. Uh, and Kyle <laughs> that's, Sh- that's a nice little uh, stable yeah. of coaches, right? And ironically, they don't have any of them now. <laughs> no. um, Washington doesn't have anybody now. Uh, yeah, and then obviously he follows Shanahan to the Falcons, follows McVay to the Rams, and now lands in this head coach spot. Marcus, you, I want to go back to a point you made about the Titans' offense this mm-hmm. past year, right? Was it just – were they just unlucky? Like, Marcus Mariota was never healthy. He could Delaney he Walker mm-hmm. you know, broke his ankle week one. Right. Jack Conklin missed seven games and had come out of two more, their stud guard. Um, I don't know, man. Like well, they had to face the six, six toughest schedule per um, sharp football's strength of schedule metrics too. Like I kind of want to give him a little bit more time. Like it's, I guess the thing f- with me with LaFleur is I'm still an open book on it. Right. I'm not sold by any means because the Titans season was just so, so weird. No. And I, and I think, I think those are all valid points that you make there. I mean, because you're right. You know, Mariota had elbow problems for a long stretch of the year. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I almost forgot that Delaney Walker got hurt so yeah. early on. You know, by the way, Rashard, Rashard Matthews just went AWOL too. I mean, right, right. Got and that was the thing. And they went yep. AWOL. Their, their wide receiver core. I mean, you know, Corey Davis was inconsistent, and then you know, I don't know how much you could really expect to get from guys like Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp and and what have you. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, so so maybe you're right. Maybe there is something there. I mean, they they did a, a pretty good job with with Deion Lewis for a good stretch of the season. Then Derrick Henry took over in the back half. So. Again, like I, I have, I'm kind of reserving judgment on all these hires, but obviously with Matt Lafleur, the last thing we have to go on was a Titan season that was just sort of up and down. But I think obviously that there are some maybe extenuating circumstances uh, that go into. That. I'm hoping this is a good thing for Aaron Jones too, because Lafleur liked to run the football. I mean, rush percentage for the Titans, he was second. Rush attempts, he was ninth. Uh, rushing yards, seventh. Tied for eleventh in rushing touchdowns. And then of course with the Rams, uh, all top ten in, in those four categories. Because, well, you've got Todd Gurley there. So, and Aaron Jones is a playmaker and the guy that 
had really started to shine, and he will be clearly one of the top breakout candidates in fantasy football uh, in 2019, and I think the LaFleur hire is good news for him. You know what's funny? As much as we, just to make a final point here, as much as we hammered uh, the Titans' smash mouth, exotic smash exotic mouth, mouth off- offense in 2017, LaFleur was more run heavy. He was 51% run heavy. Which is kind of wild. The prior season, they were at 40, like just over 47%. I still never got with the exotic part of the exotic smash. Yeah, what is one. exotic about it? <laughs> you have Derrick Henry, and he's like 6'4", <laughs> and looks like a bulldozer. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that was that was the part that confused me, was sort of the exotic part. Um, hey, the Broncos decided to try something different. While everybody else is hiring offensive-minded coaches, they hire a defensive-minded coach. They are expected to hire Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio as their head coach. In fact, by the time this podcast is uploaded and you are listening to it, they may have already had the introductory press conference, or at least the press release um, may have gone out. Now, um, you know, everybody... you know what? When everybody is zigging, there's always going to be one or two teams that sort of zag here, right? When when you have a chance to go out and get the guy who put together the best defense in the league the past year, I think it's at least worth a shot. You look at this defense, I think this defense is closer to being something really good than than the offense was. I think the offense still needs some help. They've got, you know, they got quarterback issues. Uh, they've suddenly are breaking in, I think, a, a young wide receiver core. They've got some some decent running backs between Philip Lindsay when he's healthy and Royce Freeman. Mm-hmm. But this is a defense that still has a lot of really good pieces on it, right? I mean, you've got Von Miller. You've got Bradley Chubb. I think you've got, you know, you still have Chris Harris in the secondary. You've got some pieces. So maybe the Broncos' idea is to let's let's build our defense with Vic Fangio. He's done a good job in Chicago. He did a good job in San Francisco. Um, so maybe this is the idea here. And I know we don't necessarily talk a lot of defense because we're fantasy guys and that's not what we do. But, hey, defense is a part of the game. Yep. So maybe this means the Broncos defense goes back to being one of those be. those that we draft a little but bit. But I think earlier. this was a smart move on Denver's part because of the offensive pieces that they have or lack, right? I mean, their quarterback is Case Keenum. And uh, I don't know that you're bringing anybody in here that is going to come in and make a, a major impact there in that offense. So the Broncos are going to come in with Fangio and try to win playing very solid defense and letting Keenum or whoever is going to be the quarterback in 2019 and into the future sort of be more of a, a game manager, a guy like uh, uh, that, that's going to come in and, and not make mistakes. And they're going to want to play ball control. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to win the time of possession every single week. And that's going to be the Broncos moving forward under Fangio. Who's going to be their OC? Good question. That's a good question. Because that's, that's the big thing I care about, right? Like, when the Cardinals hire Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury, they ostensibly do so so he can call plays, and therefore you don't have to change your scheme every single year because you're hopefully going to keep Kingsbury every single year. Who, who's going to call plays for the Broncos next year? Yeah, that that remains to be seen, and I think that is going to have a large impact on, on what happens. Also, well, what about Kubiak? Does he does he come back after his? Uh, his I mean, long- isn't that the uh, isn't that the rumor? After his long stint as John Elway's backup quarterback, come and be his uh, his offensive coordinator now. Was that coach? <laughs> no, he won. There's, 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 you know, I mean, there's it, some sort of like you know connections. And errands. I don't, connections, right? At that point, I don't think it would be the worst idea in the world. Um, you know, I think if there's one thing we we have seen with uh, John Elway is that I I think he tends to be more conservative in in his decision making there, and so why not go to a guy that he knows and trusts and has a relationship with? I don't I don't think it's it's completely uh, insane, and, and I don't know that it would be a terrible idea. I mean, 
he's had some success, Kubiak has, so may, maybe. But I think that's going to have a lot to do with how we view this Broncos offense uh, in the very near future. Um, all right, so now back to offensive head coaches getting hired. Freddie Kitchens is going to get the job for the Cleveland Browns. It had come down to him and Kevin Stefanski, but Stefanski is going to stay in Minnesota as their offensive coordinator for the time being. And so Freddie Kitchens... Uh, unless the Jets ha- are desperate and need to hire somebody. Right, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> so Freddie Kitchens is going to stay in as the Browns head coach. Greg Williams has been, as they said so ceremoniously, relieved of his duties. Um, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. Right. I mean, he, he was fired. You know, it, 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 it happens. It happens to lots of people. Uh, it happened to Greg Williams. So he's no longer there in Cleveland. Now, Freddie Kitchens obviously was a big part of when things turned around. Hugh Jackson was let go. Kitchens was elevated. He, uh, well, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were let go, I should say. Freddie Kitchens was elevated from running backs coach to offensive coordinator. And, I mean, Graham, that's when we saw things turn around for both Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield. And this offense really kind of kicked it into another gear. Yeah, since um, basically after Todd Haley was hired, or excuse me, fired um, in week eight, so from week nine to week 17, the Browns trailed only the Saints, the Chiefs, and I, uh, one other team. It was the Saints and Chiefs in offensive gain, yards gained per drive. Um, they were fourth among all teams in touchdowns scored per drive. Baker Mayfield was fifth among all quarterbacks in passer rating. This offense really, really took off. And against, I mean, frankly, let's face it, not the easiest schedule, of course. I mean, they, they came out of the, the Haley firing and played the Chiefs, Falcons, and Bengals, but then they had to play the Texans. They had to play the Panthers, the Broncos, play the Bengals again, then finish the season with the Ravens. I'm obviously over the moon with this. I'm more than right. excited about the Browns in 2019. Yeah, dude. I'm, I mean, that I'm is all in. that is going to be a potential fantasy powerhouse because, you know, we've only started to see the beginnings of what Baker Mayfield can be both as a real and fantasy football quarterback. Uh, once, once Kitchens took over, I mean, he had a 19-8, Touchdown and interception mark. Uh, the, the Browns average right around 24 points per game. They've got a hell of a good young running back in Nick Chubb in the backfield. That that, that team is going to be fun to watch. You've got David Njoku, who's a young tight end. Jarvis Landry, of course, who's coming off a disappointing campaign. But this, this from a fantasy perspective, is kind of what we wanted to see. We now, didn't want to see change in that offensive scheme. We didn't want to see change in terms of who was calling the shots. And we are going to get what we want because Kitchens is the guy. Now... You mentioned Jarvis Landry, right? And he he sort of disappointed in a lot of respects this year. Is it do they have to do something to upgrade the wide receiver position, or is this just a case of Baker being able to just work with some of these guys and kind of get used to being you know being on the field with them? I mean, Antonio Callaway was sort of frustrating. Rashard Higgins really didn't do much. I mean, a lot of their their pass catching production uh, outside of Landry, who led the team with just under a thousand yards. It was David Njoku. Um, as excited as we are about this offense and as excited as we are about Baker Mayfield, like if if he's not getting production from his wide receivers, it feels like there's just a cap on his produ- production potential there. Yeah, they could add some weapons. I, I think they're going to continue to develop Antonio Callaway, who would have been a lot higher draft pick uh, last year had he not sort of been a knucklehead off the field. So there's there's still some upside. You know, Higgins has shown some flashes, although he's, he's certainly not an elite wide receiver at the NFL level. But you could see them add some weapons in that passing game because you give Baker another bona fide wide receiver to throw to with Chubb in the backfield. I mean, you're looking at an offense that could rival some of the best in the league. One of the big things that I noticed, um, at least 
with the coaching changes, Jarvis Landry's role completely changed. I mean, weeks one through eight with Todd Haley, he averaged 11.8 targets per game, had double-digit targets in seven of eight. And then they they fire Haley, bring Kitchens in, uh, and, and Landry's targets per game go down to 6.9. He never saw double-digit targets in another game. Um, they kind of spread the ball around. I, and I think that's kind of why we never really had a typical receiver to really rely on every week is because, I mean, Kitchens came in and was given a few targets to uh, to Duke Johnson. They would throw a deep to Rashad Perriman. Rashad Higgins was involved. Um, I, I, I It'll be really interesting to see what they do, and they've got to bring in a lid lifter. It'll be really, yep, really right. interesting to see what they do to, to kind of layer the offense with Landry and Joku and Duke underneath because they've got to get somebody to, to take the top. Think off. about how ridiculously deep quarterback's going to be next season. Yeah. I mean, like – it, 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 I would have no problem at all going into the regular season next season uh, with, say, a duo of Jameis and Baker as my two quarterbacks. Would have no problem at all, and neither one of those guys is going to go in the top ten rounds. It's it, it just not. The position is so ridiculously deep. And, I mean, there, there's guys who are coming off of bad seasons who have elite potential that we've seen, like Carson Wentz, right? I mean, didn't play very well, was banged up. Nick Foles is now doing his thing in the playoffs. But the position is just unreal. It's extraordinarily deep. And uh, with some of these hires, we are seeing even more quarterback value, like Winston, like with the retention of, of Kitchens now and Baker be, being a potential breakout candidate next season. I mean, it is going to be it is going to be ridiculous to watch the numbers that some of these quarterbacks are, are, are going to potentially put up. And this is coming after a 2018 season where the quarterback position scored over eight thousand eight hundred fantasy points. It's the most in a single season since 2000, which is basically as far as we can go back and track that statistic. 8,805 fantasy points. That's a little ridiculous. Uh, you kind of Unreal. Made, you kind of made me a little bit sad, Graham. You talked about Freddie Kitchen spreading the ball around a little bit because it, it, it made me think back to some of the heyday of the Saints offense when Drew Brees was like a top three quarterback, but you could never really count on yep. any of his receivers because you just didn't know who, you know, was it a Devery Henderson week? Oh, Is it a Marcus Colston week? You just never really knew. Um, and so that... That kind of concerns me a little bit. Like, you know, Baker will be there. He'll get his numbers. But now if, if, if we're struggling to figure out which guy he's going to throw it to on a weekly basis, that's And, that's and according to uh, um, tweets that I'm seeing out there from some NFL insiders, Gary Kubiak's the guy running that offense. Hey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Interesting indeed. Which is what I thought. Yeah. Uh, last little bit of coaching carousel news. There are still three jobs that are available. The Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Jets still have openings. Although Mike McCarthy uh, has thrown his hat into the ring for the Jets job. That, I don't know. I don't. I, I want Sam Darnold to succeed. I want him to <laughs> good. Um, I don't know how I feel about this potentially. But anyway, we will keep you updated on those uh, as we learn more, as we all learn more. We, we all have Twitter. We'll all find out a lot of this stuff together. Uh, and we'll talk about it more as these things become real. So there you go. Long news segment, but that's uh, pretty much everything you need to know. <laughs> That was the news. Uh, okay, I missed a little bit of it, but I know, Eddie, you had some news about Chris Richard. I see on Twitter that that's the room that he might get the job in uh, in Miami, according uh, to Alex Marvez. That's wow. Right now. Wow. Chris Richard, the uh, former Seahawks defensive coordinator, the Cowboys. Uh, 
Is he the DC there? Is he the? Uh, no, he, he's not the he, DC. He's uh, he's coach. He's the right. defensive backs coach. All right. As a Cowboys fan, I don't like that rumor <laughs> at all. But um, I mean. He, he kind of was the guy that was on the rise, too, so you, you sort of saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there's a rumor floating around now on Twitter.com that the Cardinals have interest in Texas State head coach Jake Spavital. I, I may be mispronouncing his name. For the offensive coordinator job under Cliff Kingsbury, they coached together at the University of Houston. So the Cardinals just going all in with kind of this young, offensive-minded head coach or uh, yeah. head coaching offensive coordinator uh, set up here. So, by the way, good Wiki- on them. Either it'll be great or it will like go down in flames. Wikipedia already has uh, Richard as the head coach in Miami. Wikipedia does not waste time. <laughs> that was it, quick, dude. It does was not quick. waste time. They're, they're, they must have heard yet. I'm uh, I'm old enough to remember Chris Richard as a, a actual DB at USC playing for Pete Carroll and then working mm-hmm. for Pete Carroll in Seattle. There you go. Um, Let's talk a little bit about sophomores. I got a list of six guys here who made minimal contributions in their rookie years, but could potentially be poised for big things in their second year. And just kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, what you predict from them, where potentially you might look at drafting them, all that sort of stuff. So let's start with a guy that I think actually is is pretty much slated, I think, for a big role next year, and that's Rashad Penny, who we thought maybe he would get a lot of work this year. It didn't happen early. Chris Carson played really well. We saw some Mike Davis. But late in the season, we started to see more and more Rashad Penny in the offense. And Fabs, I just look at this and say that they're going to give him. Remember, they they made a move to trade in the draft and get him. I just I see a situation where they're going to give him every opportunity next year to be the starter in Seattle. I mean, you would think, but Chris Carson rushed for over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. I mean, sometimes you make a mistake. The Seahawks made a mistake with Matt Flynn. And they ate it, and Russell Wilson's been the guy ever since. So I I just don't like that this could potentially end up being a backfield committee after a season where Chris Carson clearly showed that he could be a featured back uh, in the National Football League. But you're you're correct. There's there's a good chance that Penny's going to get every opportunity to overtake him during camp. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. I think the more likely scenario is that you're going to see a backfield committee, and um, that that's going to suck because Carson, <laughs> because Carson was good. I mean, like the guy, the, the guy was the featured guy for Seattle. He played very well. We'll see. You know, th- does Penny you know remain in shape? Uh, does he work hard in the off season? Does he come into camp? Uh, motivated to take over the top spot on the depth chart that that we'll see. But I would hate to see Chris Carson lose that spot because he was very good for the Seahawks in an offense that ran the football uh, a ton. I know, Graham, and this was one of the better run-blocking offensive lines. If you look at the you know football outsiders metrics, they were uh, a top 15, they're actually number 12 in terms of run-blocking, so more than, than top half of the league. I mean, can would you think this offense stays as run heavy next year as it did this year? I mean, they still have Russell Wilson. They'll still have Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett had a breakout season. Is this still going to be a team that runs the ball more than 50% of the time? Is Brian Schottenheimer still there? Uh, yeah. Is Pete Carroll still there? Uh, they're going to yeah. run it. Yeah, they're going to run the ball. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, they ran the ball 56% of the time. That's insane. Yeah. 56%. And, <laughs> and to the benefit of the Cowboys last week, they ran the ball more they, than I thought they, they should have. There run, were opportunities. They kept running it when it wasn't working. I know. That, that was... It was. I mean, I was. I was satisfied with the result. But <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I was at a friend's house, and I'm like, "Why do they keep running it?" Like, look, okay, whatever. That was borderline coaching malpractice. It really was. The Seahawks called 21 pass attempts to 21 um, 
running back carries basically until Russell Wilson had that final drive. Um, their running backs averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Russell Wilson <laughs> averaged 8.6 yards per attempt. I need the Cowboys to they went early to 2.8 this weekend. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't see, and maybe it ends up as a committee. I just feel like they're going to give Rashad Penny every opportunity to win that job and to be the starter going into next year. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Darius Geis, who we didn't get to see at all in the regular season, was hurt in the preseason, had a knee injury, missed the entire year. Uh, but again, I mean, it was all set up this year for him to be the starter in Washington. Adrian Peterson took over because of circumstance. And look, Peterson was great for the first you know, quarter, third, maybe in first half of the year, and then sort of faded down the stretch, partially, I think, because, well, I mean, he's he's just taken a lot of lumps throughout his career. I think partially because that Washington offensive line became a patchwork of itself by the end of the year with injuries and, and what have you. Certainly losing Alex Smith just made that whole offense go downhill. But, uh, Fabs, I know you are big, big, big on Darius guys coming back and, and being a huge playmaker next year. Yep, I mean, he, uh, th- I texted him actually early this morning and was asking him about his rehab. He said it's going awesome, and he's going to spend the off season training with Peterson in Houston. Now, uh, if you want to, if you want to talk about a running back who came back from a catastrophic knee injury and put up numbers, that's a good one, Doug. I mean, he came back from a from an ACL reconstruction and rushed for over two thousand yards. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous. So he's getting the support there, and we saw some glimpses of what Darius can do during the preseason. Yeah, I mean, the, the run that he ended up tearing his knee up, it was a tremendous run. Peterson's going to be a free agent. Um, I would expect Darius to be the guy in 2019 in an offense that's going to lean on the run. Uh, there's a lot of question marks right now with the quarterback position with Alex Smith. Hopefully he's going to be back uh, from that awful, awful injury that he suffered this season. Uh, they don't have that true number one wide receiver. This is going to be an offense under Jay Gruden that's going to run the ball just like they did this past season. And Peterson is a guy who, at 33 years old, rushed for over 1,000 yards. What can Darius do in this offense? I think the sky is the limit. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to be, I mean, I, I think I'm excited about Darius. Guys, I like his talent. <laughs> he, he thinks he's excited about him. I am, I, but I just, I look at the offense as a whole, and I just wonder how much that limits what he can I'm, do. I'm really concerned for, for another reason. Um report kind of came out in mid-December that guys had to have three other surgeries on his knee. Uh, was dealing with an infection in his knee. And as much as, I mean, I hope he comes back and he's the, you know, the player that we all wanted him to be coming out of LSU, the badass that he was. Um, yeah, there's some really big questions about this Washington team. You mentioned the quarterback situation. Their offensive line has not been healthy for two seasons, and now they're another year older. Um, there is a lot a lot to digest with Darius, Darius guys over the next seven months. A yep. lot. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely that's going to be a thing I think we all keep an eye on, um, see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I have high hopes for him. I just I hope they can do something with the offense around him as a whole. Uh, Royce Freeman, we thought that he was going to be the rookie running back. Well, I, I will say this. I was I was sort of hesitant about Royce Freeman. I didn't know Philip Lindsay was coming. I poisoned your mind. I didn't know that Philip. I didn't know that Philip Lindsay was coming. But I was just sort of hesitant about Royce Freeman. Uh, but you know what? He had some moments. Obviously, he was sort of the secondary back there. But um, does he get that shot, or is he going to be stuck behind Phil Lindsay again this year? I mean, <laughs> I don't. Lindsey was awesome. I mean, he yards per carry. The guy was was an electric playmaker. 
I don't know that that Freeman gets a shot to be a feature back in Denver outside of some sort of freak injury that keeps uh, that that keeps Lindsay out for an extended period of time just based on what we saw. And, and it wasn't something that that happened sort of late in the season. He got more carries and more touches and he earned them as the season went on. But all season long, from day one, from week one, he was showing flashes that he could end up being uh, a, a pretty damn good running back in this league. Maybe it was the inspiration of the number 30 in Denver, Terrell Davis, one of the greats and Hall of Famer, our pal here at NFL Network. But whatever it was, Lindsey showed me that, I mean, I would be shocked if he doesn't go into next season as the starter. And I would also be shocked if Freeman really made a massive dent in his touches next season but weirder things have happened yeah I, you know I, I i really don't know you know now you know we know there's going to be a new head coach there i will say this having a defensive head coach maybe means good things for the running game i mean we saw matt patricia take over in detroit graham and he was all about let's play defense let's run the football didn't work out all that great for the lions this year but you know vic fangio I would think, you know, hey, let's play defense. Let's run the football. So maybe this means more work as a committee for Freeman and, yeah, and Lindsey next year. It, it's possible. Hey, guys, one thing that we, we've we been doing this for a long time, weird stuff happens in, in the NFL. All the time. Weird stuff happens. I mean, the Eagles just went into Chicago and beat the Bears. Like, weird stuff happens. So anything is possible. Injuries happen. They're unpredictable. But at this point, just based on what I saw, it's not like, you know, Lindsey's performance was kind of like Alex Collins from last year where, you know, he turned it on in the second half of the season and he had some question marks going in. He did this for the entire year until he went down with that injury towards the end. So uh, he, he was electric. He was a fun yeah, player to watch. for no me. Doubt. So it'd be hard for me to think that Royce Freeman ends up being the guy. But there's also been seasons where I've really been high on a player and he stunk. <laughs> and then the following year, something happens and he ends up blowing up. So that could happen with him. And he'll be worth a late round flyer for sure. Uh, Kalen Balage, who, you know, at all it took till the end of the year for him to finally get some run. You know, there was so much weirdness down there with Adam Gase and, and Gore. Gore and Kenyon Drake and finally Kalen Balage. And Graham, this guy was a playmaker at Arizona State. He was he made a lot of huge. I think he had a seven touchdown game against Texas Tech. Actually, it's Patrick Mahomes' Texas Tech team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, now that you know, now that Adam Gase is gone, I would imagine there's going to be more of a competition there. Do you? Is there a chance Kalen Balage gets a, gets a look? I have no idea what to think about the Dolphins right now. <laughs> I, have no, I mean, I think I that's have, fair. I have no idea. I mean, you just that's go, fair. you go down this this roster they have. I mean, where are their key pieces right now? I mean, the, Miami sh- they should, in theory, just tear this thing down and just try to rebuild it from the ground up. I mean, right. Yeah, well, I mean, what their backfield? I mean, I, Gore's a free agent. Drake's entering a contract year. I kind of have a feeling we'll be looking at the Dolphins as like a full fade team in fantasy this upcoming season. Maybe Ooh. outside of Balage. Ooh, because what? I mean, what Drake? They're, they're not going to have a. Uh, they're not going to have a quarterback. Tannehill will be gone. Tannehill's going to be gone. They've got a basically three running backs that are all you know. Nothing. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who are their wide receivers? I mean, uh, Parker, who knows what's going on with him? I can't imagine I mean, Devontae Parker got, be Yeah, back. I mean, Kenny Stills, Amendola. I mean, there's there's not a lot to write home about. They've got a lot of rebuilding to do in Miami yeah, they, on the offensive side. They, they picked up Devontae Parker's fifth-year option oh, did they? Okay. Um, in April of last year. But, yeah, again, I mean, I mean but, they basically benched – Adam Gase essentially yeah. benched Devontae Parker in the middle of the season, even though he's healthy. I have no clue what to think about Miami. No right idea now. what to do with them right now. I think you're right. They, they may be a, a never-dolphin sort of thing. Um, James Washington, 
Now, I think so much of what happens with James Washington probably depends on what happens with Antonio Brown. But as we talked about in our last podcast, the the honeymoon, well, it's been long over, but now it's uh, things are bad. Like both sides are just flat out just talking trash about each other. Essentially, it's it's not a good situation. So in the meantime, maybe this means James Washington, you know, look, when Mike Wallace left, that's when we saw Antonio Brown blossom. Right. Uh, We know Juju is going to be there and he's going to be productive, but maybe Antonio moving out of the way. Open some things up for James Washington. <laughs> I, I, I still can't. I mean, I guess I could. I mean, I, I, a scenario where where AB's not playing for the Steelers. I don't know. But again, weirder Look, things. We, we said weirder that things. We have couldn't happened, imagine dude. a situation where Lev Bell was going to come weirder, back and play. Weirder for things have happened, dude. I, that, that's uh, Pittsburgh is going to be uh, a place that fantasy owners need to be really keeping an eye on what goes on there in terms of their personnel with the AB situation. And Lev Bell obviously is not going to be back, so he'll end up on a team that's going to utilize him as a featured runner. But a lot of things could change, right? I mean, James Washington could suddenly be a guy who is is a potential breakout candidate. Juju Smith-Schuster could end up being a guy who you're taking in the, in the at the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round, depending on what happens with AB. Roethlisberger's value could rise or fall, depending on what happens. So there's a lot going on there in Pittsburgh, and uh, James Washington will be a player who could potentially benefit if the Steelers and Antonio Brown could not, uh, you know, get get on the same page and and get along and, and reunite uh, next season. Not that they've broken up, but it looks like it could potentially go that way, which would be just odd to me. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be odd. I mean, like, yeah, okay, you know, arguably the best running back in the league. That whole situation goes sour. Now the best wide receiver in the league. That situation's gone sour. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It'd be weird to see Antonio Brown in another uniform. Yeah, it would. It'd be strange. It would be very strange. Unless it's like a 49er uniform. I'd be cool with that. I could watch it. Was that, was it Jerry Rice who, who... Jerry Rice said they should go for it. Hell yeah. Hey, Why look, not, dude? Look, if, if, if a guy like Antonio Brown is out there, you should at least make an offer. What do you have to trade to get make, him, though? Like, if you've got to give up two ones to get Khalil Mack, I mean, is it two ones to get AB? I, I mean, think so. You would think, right? I think so. Um, but at least make the phone call. You know, that contract, again, just makes it so I know. But I mean, I mean, the Steelers are going to have to eat if they did trade him, they'd have to eat 20 million dollars, which is like over what 10 percent of your cap. That's that's a lot. Yeah, that's what I mean. You just have to figure out how tired they are of Antonio Brown. That's it. That's that's what you have to find out. So um, speaking of Antonio's Antonio Callaway mentioned him a little bit earlier. We talked about the Browns and Freddie Kitchens and everything there. I mean, there were really high hopes for him. Uh, You know, obviously there were off-field issues that, that sort of derailed him at times this year. But talent-wise, I mean, this is a guy that people talked about as being a first-round draft pick uh, Did he not? if he didn't have some of those off-field problems when he was at Florida. So the talent really isn't an issue. Can Freddie Kitchens and this offense figure out a way to unlock him next year, Graham? I mean, with, with Baker there, you talked about him spreading the football around, but they still, I think, could use one big playmaking receiver, and Callaway at least seems to have the talent to be that guy. It was nice to see Callaway turn his season around. Earlier in the year, I thought Callaway was legitimately one of the worst receivers in the NFL. Mm. Uh, plagued by drops, played by running the wrong routes, um, whatever the case may be, but then kind of turned it on as, uh, a little bit later as, as Kitchens took over. But opportunity-wise, it will just come down to what the Browns decide to do with their number two and number three receiver spots behind Landry. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a big key. So you know, this will be a team to watch, especially in training camp, training camp in the preseason. I think we'll keep an eye on the Browns to see how things go. Uh, last one, Equinemius St. Brown, who 
Uh, I, I really want I want him and Marquez Valdez Scantling to do great things just so we can call them like the alphabet crew or something like right, that. Yeah. I mean, because they I think between all of them, they, they may have. No, I think there's no Y there. <laughs> but I was like, I think they have every other letter in the alphabet uh, in their combined names. But uh, there's there's no Ys. Uh, anyway, I actually don't think there's a W. Okay. Oh, there is. Never mind. Anyway, that's enough of that. But Equidemius St. Brown obviously had a good career at Notre Dame. We know Devontae Adams is going to be the number one wide receiver there. But there's still room for other guys to go out and, pl- and make plays. I mean, Fabs, we've seen this before that Aaron Rodgers, when he is at his at his peak – can support multiple wide receivers yeah. in this offense. So there is an opportunity potentially for both MVS and ESB to go out there. And, and look, they're not both going to be, you know, wide receiver twos or anything like that. But one of these guys could end up being a nice flex play, some nice depth on your on your bench if this offense can actually pick things up next year. Yeah, no question about that. And it's all about Aaron Rodgers because he can turn average players into superstars. And, you know, we've seen we've seen players thrive in Green Bay, leave and, and, and really not do nearly as well. Um, I mean, Jordy Nelson, although he was 33 years old, coming off a bad season with the Raiders, uh, where he was one of the elite wide receivers in fantasy football just two seasons ago when he had Aaron Rodgers chucking him the football. You also have to wonder what's going on there with Randall Cobb. But and you, you've totally overlooked Jay Kumaro. <laughs> no. but, but Equinemius and, and Marquez Valdez scaling I think he's the guy that I'd have ranked a little bit higher uh, heading into 2019 but there is certainly some upside with some of these young wide receivers because uh, they, they've got the goat throwing them the football alright so those are some of our sophomores that uh, we're keeping an eye on we'll have plenty to talk about obviously all off season long but uh, before we get out of here a couple of playoff challenge daily fantasy kind of picks for you um, if you haven't gotten in on the playoff challenge it's not too late uh, you're kind of behind the eight ball, maybe, with some other folks who have already started a little bit. But there's a chance to get in. Um, I only started one dude who played last week, and, and that was that Zeke. Zeke. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, because the the trend recently, although this season has been so weird that it's probably going to change, but it, it's all it's almost always been ones going to the Super Bowl, right? Right. You've had the two with Atlanta a couple of seasons ago. but So I went all Saints, and I went all Chiefs, and I went Zeke because, you know, well, Cowboys. Right. I uh, I went I went heavy Chargers because I always feel like there's a, a wild card team that makes a run in there somewhere mm, and so it's yes. it's kind of nice to you know just bank on that wild card team see if you can get those multipliers a little bit so I went I went Chargers uh, so I mean I mean Phil Rivers Melvin Gordon uh, you know uh, uh, Keenan Allen and then the rest of it I filled in with the Saints so you know I've got you know the Camaras the Michael Thomases Lutz I got the Saints defense because I figured you know I, I I wouldn't I would love to maybe potentially get those those four times. Uh, if the Chargers somehow can you know pull the upset in, mm-hmm. in New England and get through to to the Super Bowl, who knows? Uh, it could happen. But it was worth it. it was worth the risk for me. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, there's that. That's sort of what I used to do years ago before the trend of the you know the top seeds actually right like, now like the top, top, the top seeds always go every year. Like now. I like I really <laughs> liked the Colts going in. I thought the Colts could potentially end up going to the to the uh, AFC Championship game, which who knows they they very well might because I, I get it. You know, as good as the Chiefs are. I mean, do you guys ever look at like the results of the playoffs when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs? Not good. Every single season, Not including good. last year with Mariota, with the crazy throw, catch, touchdown, all that kind of stuff. They almost always disappoint. I mean, this is sort of a different team with uh, Patrick Mahomes under center. And uh, but <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Colts went into Kansas City and won. But you're looking for points. You're looking for multipliers. You're looking for that, uh, you know, that that team that. 
has a good shot because of home field advantage or whatever other um, specific sort of. That's also why I took the Chargers because they're used to not having home right, field advantage. Right, right, <laughs> right. Because every fun. every week at StubHub Center, half the crowd is like the opposing team. Yeah, I and I mean it. It might the weather might be bad though in New England this weekend too, which could favor the Patriots. We'll see. I think the Chargers are eight and one on the road this year, and I was. I, I think <laughs> well, what's made, their home what's record? I think, <laughs> exactly. I think somebody made a comment. It's like uh, they don't really have a place to play at home. So right. So they're used yeah. to playing on the road. Used to playing on the road. It's all good. So don't worry about. And that. let's be honest. And maybe Patriots fans aren't going to like this, but we all kind of want to see the Patriots get knocked out. Let's change things up a little bit. Oh, I'm not being. I'm not I'd, being coy about it. I'd, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd like love, to see a new team. I'd love to see the Chargers. I want to see a new team in there. Go to the AFC Championship <laughs> game. I mean, I'm not hiding my feelings about that. <laughs> not even a little bit. No. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then finally, uh, some daily fantasy picks, uh, some value picks. If you're, if you are of the daily fantasy persuasion, mm-hmm. I was looking at Michael Gallup. I mean, partially because the the Cowboys had wide receiver apocalypse uh, at the start of that game last yeah, week. Yeah, that mean, was bad. Obviously, man. the Allen Hearns one was first was to Allen, really awful. Uh, but Cole Beasley got got knocked around in that game. I mean, at one point, uh, Amari Cooper, I think, was down for a minute and got up and and you know was able to play through it, but. Uh, that and the fact that, you know, look, I, I still think that the Cowboys will have to throw the ball a little bit more if the if the Rams offense can do what it does. The Cowboys will have to throw the football a little bit more. And I like Michael Gallup all year. Me too. So I, I got it's Michael Gallup is kind of my, my value, my daily value. Pick. So scared. I, I, initially, when the Cowboys had won and then it, it, it was clear we were coming to L.A., I was like, man, I got to try to get tickets for this game. Now I think I might just stay home. I don't know, man. You know what? I might just stay home. I was going to take my kid. Marcus is like, eh, I don't know if I would take a kid to the L.A. Coliseum. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I'm just going to stay home. It's, it's, like I, said, I, went to a, I went to a Rams-Cowboys uh, preseason game. It was fun. Um, it's, it's more rated R than PG-13 okay. at times. I'm, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> I'll stay home and watch the I'm game sure, at home. I'm sure sat, shadowy league figures are going to be thrilled to hear me say that. Yeah, no podcast. doubt. My, um, my daily value pick this week is Dontrell Inman who has scored a touchdown in three straight games. He's sort of become the number two wide receiver there in Indianapolis behind T.Y. Hilton, who's been playing banged up for most of the second half of the season. So now you're not playing Inman in the playoff challenge, or maybe you are. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, that, that's not, a, that's not a, 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 a move that I would make. But if you're talking about daily, you know, Inman is a guy who, with Andrew Luck playing as well as he is and the Colts throwing it as much as they are and having success moving the ball through the air, Inman suddenly has uh, has some sleeper value. Would you say you're in on Inman? Oh. I, I, I'm in. That'll be the show, folks. I'm uh, in. There we go. Yep. Good night, everybody. I'm yep. Inman on Dontrell. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's it. Uh, actually, that is kind of it, though. Uh, we are done here. So appreciate you as always. It was a little bit longer because we had all this coaching news to talk about. Uh, I know, right? It was. Uh, it's good. It's important. Do, it's do you, did you give your your oh, pick you for a, daily? Do you I'm have a daily pick? Devastated, Marcus. Oh, I'm you sorry. Skipped over. Me. I'm sorry. Do you have a daily pick? I do actually. Marcus is listen. It's <laughs> nothing personal. He, you know, he's just so impressed by all of your knowledge. He just, you know, overlooked you for a second there. That's all. <laughs> no, it's fine. I forgive you, Marcus. Okay. Um, no, I kind of like Ted Ginn. Um, oh, yeah. On one of these daily sites, he might be minimum price, and he saw eight targets yeah, just, against the Steelers yeah, in right? sixteen. Good one. Yeah. Eagles yep. gave up the eighth most completions of twenty or more yards over the last eight games. Good little play. Yeah, no, I yep. agree. Ted Ginn always, always he always finds a way, especially in the postseason, to have like one big game kind of out of nowhere. So that's Ted Ginn's game. It's that also random <laughs> revenge games. <laughs> right. Random his random revenge yeah, game I know. every year. Where he'll just smash the Panthers or smash the. Uh, he has Cardinals. so many. He has so many opportunities to have revenge it's games great. too. He's got a lot of chances. So. <laughs> All right, that is. Well, it. hey, you want to talk about revenge games? Who's this? Davon Austin, baby. 
The Tavon Austin Revenge Game. No, the 2018 season was just leading towards the Tavon. The Tavon Austin Revenge Game. Yes. Imagine if he has a good one. The year I caped up for Tavon Austin, he burned me. So you know what? Forget that. I remember that actually. Forget that guy. The only good fantasy season he had is when he rushed for like 400 something yards. Right. Other than that, that's it. That's what got me. Like, hey, he rushed for like 400 and he caught like 600. He got like a thousand plus scrimmage yards. You know, Allen's hurt. Cole's dealing with an ankle. Williams gave him a big contract extension. They're totally going to use him. It's going to be great. Nope. It's going to be. Nope. <laughs> so you know what? Forget Wrong. That, forget that guy. Uh, forget I that. tried. All right. That's it. We are out of here. Appreciate you downloading and listening. And uh, you know what? As you do that, tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, you didn't fall. You attacked the floor. We'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.